is the main event. What you gonna do? If you're some man! Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be! Woo! Yeah! I am, yeah. I am the game! Gaston go said so. Oh my god! What I'd like to have right now! Rest in peace, be the man! You gotta beat the man! Are you ready? Everyone has a price! Yeah, I've come here to fight! Standing ovation here! Let's go to our ring announcer! Introducing your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell! school fans to the pro wrestling nostalgia podcast beyond the bell here exclusively on the sns radio network sean beckerman is back with you to bring you all things nostalgia and retro in wrestling this week we open up the show on the road coming back from the big Hulk Hogan uncut Q&A event in Freehold, New Jersey. It was a great experience covering this show, covering this event, a huge turnout. But what was most special for me was bringing my wife and son along, having my son on my lap, witnessing Hulk Hogan come through and to greet the audience. That was so special. I've heard Hogan many times tell the stories. Uh, You know, I know what he was going to say, his feelings of certain events during his career. What was most notable, and I'll mention it, uh, very shortly was the, the last portion, the last five, ten minutes of the Q&A was most notable and I'll make it known to you fans here on BTV this week, but besides that seeing Hulk Hogan live again in New Jersey let alone Freehold, New Jersey uh, was special, but having my son there in person, the first thing that Hulk Hogan said was it's really cool, and I truly believe this that's how he felt, was to see all his fans over the past three decades, over the 30 plus years, 35 years of him running wild, brothers, and and seeing those fans, but not just those fans, but their kids, their their sons and daughters. And that truly resonated with me as my wife and I and my son all wearing the red and yellow proudly displaying Hulkamania, brother. You can call it corny, but we wanted to get into the Hulkamania mode. Beckermania was running wild in Freehold, but it was great to have my son with me, see Hulk Hogan, his eyes light up, mine as well, me hold him in my arms, and then to take a picture with him later in the evening. And it, it was very special, a great moment. Of course, doing the, the bicep pose with the Hulkster, you can check it out on Twitter and Facebook. We posted the, the photos there. Uh, but besides trying to catch up or try to somehow compete with the Hulkster's bicep pose, but it was great to have my son in my arms and take a picture with the Hulkster. Really, one of my friends said it that I used to watch wrestling with growing up, especially during the Attitude Era. He's dropped off watching wrestling over the years. He now has uh, two children, but uh, we'll only 
follow if it's mainstream news or uh, hear about The Rock coming back or Hogan returning, but he doesn't follow it on a weekly basis like like I do, unfortunately. Well, lucky for him, unfortunately for me, you could say. But uh, he, he made a note and commented on the picture saying, full circle. And truly, that was, would sum up today's event, full circle, uh, having my son with me to witness the Hulkster and actually when we walked up to take our picture with him he hugged him my son went to hug Hulk Hogan you can't beat it and my son actually said uh, was shaking the ropes on the way to, to visit Hulk like the ultimate warrior and he's saying what you gonna do brothers that's uh, only only my son but it was a great moment great to share and it truly shows the life cycle of wrestling and how they fit Wrestlemania 30's theme the great commercial of living through the years of growing up as a kid being a fan of the WWE WWF being a teenager through the Attitude Era and now having your own children and sharing that you know the, the model truly fits and you could say it's corny but then now forever and it's in, it's encapsulated and it's defined by this moment especially of having Hulk Hogan there and sharing that generation over generation uh, in the sense I wish my dad was there too uh, he couldn't make it to the event but having the, the three of us there generation from generation him watching Bruno watching Hogan win the championship me being there for the first Wrestlemania, sharing Hulkamania, and now having my son during the latter portions of Hulkamania, it was very special. So we're coming back from that event as we bring you the next edition of Beyond the Bell. We're entering SummerSlam month here on BTB, and we're going to kick things off with the best of SummerSlam. This first of two-part series, we'll look back at the history of SummerSlam. But what I want to make a quick note, first off, coming from this big Q&A before we get into the show, was Hulk Hogan's last comments towards the final five to ten minutes of the Q&A. Standard Q&A, like I said, for a lot of stuff about talk about Andre, his battles, uh, you know, through the first WrestleMania uh, to WrestleMania three, lifting up Andre to the end, joining the NWO, his movies, Suburban Commando, him saying Rocky three was, of course, his favorite film to be a part of. But what was most notable was he looked in better shape, first off. He looked uh, rather thin, fit, but also Jimmy Hart alluded to it, and Hulk Hogan basically uh, put the nail on the coffin by saying uh, he will be on Monday Night Raw coming up on August 11th. So stay tuned as Hogan, the Hulkster, the immortal one, will be on the go-home show leading into SummerSlam. As this fits our SummerSlam theme, uh, Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan made the announcement on the Q&A event today, as well as he also made a statement saying that, well, someone asked him a question asking what are his goals now in the WWE? Does he want to get back into the ring for one more match? And he said, nothing's final, brother, but his goal is to come back for one more match. He is trying to train, go through the medical testing, and try to get himself in shape and ready for one big match. And the match he wants, he of course, he said he would have loved to do, done battle with Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he doesn't believe that's in the cards. But the match he wants is with Mr. Hustle, loyalty, respect, of course, the face of the WWE, John Cena. You know, he made a joke saying, gimmick infringement, brother, the say your prayers, training, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, the hustle, loyalty, respect. But he states, the Hulkster states he wants John Cena in his last match. Could that be one of the main events at WrestleMania 31? Could be. Hogan seems to be in good shape, getting in better shape. Looks thinner. 
you know, it still looks great. But when I saw him walking to, to the, uh, especially to the, up the stage and walking to the photo, the photo op portion, he was hobbled a bit. It seemed like he was struggling to walk on his, uh, on those surgically repaired knees. Um, if he is going to wrestle, he's going to need some help, and a lot of gimmicks may be involved in the match, but he wants to do it, wants one last match, wants it with John Cena. I don't blame him for going for it, but I don't know if it's possible, especially with the WWE's uh, medical testing now. But that's the big news coming out of the Hulk Hogan uncut Q&A, and the brand-new Hulk Hogan figure will be coming out later in the year, uh, as we all heard from the Comic-Con uh, in San Diego. But also big new Sting, a brand new Sting figure, and Sting being a part of WWE 2K15. I promise you will have a special 2K15 edition on Beyond the Bell. I've decided to add that as one of the, the shows in our series as I'm a big fan of video games in general. Just got my Xbox One uh, a few weeks ago, and... And I'm so excited for 2K15. And I've talked about it sporadically here on Beyond the Bell, but I want to go further in depth on video gaming, specifically makes sense for wrestling video gaming. And we'll talk more about WWE 2K15. So you can also leave your comments, thoughts, and questions uh, regarding WWE video game series as well. So I'm excited to be adding that component to Beyond the Bell. So in turn, Sting, a part of WWE 2K15. What about that Commercial. We didn't get to talk about it as well. Uh, crazy, huh? I got goosebumps just hearing the hearing that old school WCW uh, Sting Crow theme. Only the, the WWE could revamp a theme like that and make it so cool. Then the whole orchestra turning and seeing the, the Sting face paint and him walking through the rafters. In that one clip, it made him more relevant than in years and being in TNA. And it's not, it's not bashing TNA, but it's just about promotion. And I think that WWE can do it. I cannot wait to see more of Sting. I think so. I think we're going to see him inside the squared circle competing. But he had a, a somewhat, you could call it a promo, his first ever interview on WWE.com following Comic-Con, making his surprise appearance, him getting an action figure, which I'm so excited to get my son. He's wanted the Sting figure, and I was going to purchase the TNA one, but I'm going to hold off and get the retro Sting figure from Mattel, because you got to go Mattel or go home, right? But Sting making his first WWE-related appearance history in the making and I'm excited to play two versions of Sting in WWE 2K15 Surfer Sting and Crow Sting and I think there's only yet only more to come with the Stinger possibly at SummerSlam we'll see more of Sting he's been confirmed to show up in Los Angeles for SummerSlam and that fits our SummerSlam spectacular theme month the Summer Sizzler comes every August and we've had SummerSlam themed shows in the past, I suggest you check them out on the archive at btbcast.com and relive some of the best moments, greatest moments of SummerSlam history. Now we'll look back at some of the greatest matches and angles that took place in SummerSlam in chronological order. We're going to cover every SummerSlam, as I feel every SummerSlam had a feud that should be noted. So we'll start from the beginning. This first of two-part series will look deep into SummerSlam's history from the beginning, in which I was lucky enough to take part of the first few years, and then witness SummerSlam throughout its return, 
to prominence during the Attitude Era, then leading into the WWE Era, and so forth. So tonight we're going to cover the first 14, you could say, WrestleManias over the past 25 years, over a quarter of a century, SummerSlam has been one of the staples in the WWE's pay-per-view lineup. Arguably the number two event behind WrestleMania. Like I said previously, the Royal Rumble has been creeping up regarding that role, but SummerSlam, one of the biggest events in WWE history, and it still remains to this very day, especially with it being a staple at the Staples Center, get that, in Los Angeles, California, but we're going to archive and document this great event here this month, leading into the live pregame show before Sunday Night Showdown presenting SummerSlam. One hour before, we're going to present the live pregame Beyond the Bell special. We did this before the Raw 20th anniversary special, and we had such great feedback. I wanted to bring it back once again. Wanted to do it before WrestleMania, but I was live on site. It was a little difficult. Lost a lot of audio as well that weekend, which we're still trying to recover. We'll get more into that later on. Finally, we have this opportunity to bring it back as I won't be there live in in Los Angeles to witness SummerSlam, but I will cover it and we'll have the special live pregame show here at snsradionetwork.com leading in to the Summer Sizzler as Sunday Night Showdown covers SummerSlam here on snsradionetwork.com. So this first part of the best of SummerSlam will cover its inception all the way through 2002, through the new generation Attitude Era and the dawning of a new era in the WWF slash WWE. We'll look at the first 14 years and the impact it's made in sports entertainment. So right after this quick commercial break, fans, we'll take you back in time to relive the very first ever WrestleMania, the huge event involving the man I witnessed in person in Freehold, New Jersey this past weekend, the immortal Hulk Hogan. It was SummerSlam 88 after this quick commercial break as we thank our great sponsors of Beyond the Bell and the SNS Radio Network. We'll look back at the very first ever SummerSlam. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you feeling down in the dumps because you live outside the United States and maybe you can't get the WWE Network? Maybe you'd like to watch Netflix from the American region. But since you're in another country, it doesn't work for you? Well, I've got the solution for you. The SNS Radio Network is recently affiliated with UnblockUs.com. If you go to the SNS Radio Network page and click the UnblockUs.com banner ad, you can sign up to get a VPN. Not sure what a VPN is? Well, it basically protects your identity online. Basically, it gives you an address online where the content you want becomes available. Here's how it works. When you click the link on the SNS Radio Network banner, it takes you to UnblockUs.com. And from that link, you can sign up for a free one-week trial. If you decide to sign up afterward, it's only $4.99 a month. And when you think about it, that's great savings. $4.99 a month allows you to watch American Netflix or any region of Netflix that you'd like to watch. And here's the biggie, folks. If you don't have the WWE Network, you live in the UK, you live in another country outside the United States, 
unblockus.com can set you up for $4.99 a month with a VPN that will allow you to have access to the WWE Network and all regions of Netflix. And you can watch it on your PS3, your Xbox 360, any device you have, you're able to use with unblockus.com. And the best part about it is, I'm not just talking about this, I'm using this service myself. So once again, go to the SNS Radio Network, click on the Unblock Us banner, and from there, sign up. And if you do that, you help to support the SNS Radio Network as they give a kickback to us to help keep all the shows on the SNS Radio Network for free. Once again, unblockus.com, giving you freedom online. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. summertime get ready to feel the heat old school fans as your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast beyond the bell brings you the live pre-show to sunday night showdown presenting SummerSlam one hour before the showdown your personal ring announcer sean beckerman covers the history of SummerSlam, the greatest moments most memorable matches and superstars will share your thoughts and memories live and break down the upcoming card. So get ready to feel the heat as we celebrate the biggest event of the summer, SummerSlam, with the live pre-show to Sunday Night Showdown here on SNSRadioNetwork.com. This is Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya! And I wouldn't want to be ya. I'm not your boy, toy. Since 1988, Vince McMahon and company have put on the Summer Spectacular as one of their cornerstone events. While it's certainly not built up with the same level of prestige as WrestleMania, it is certainly an event where WWE targets some of their bigger feuds of the year to culminate in the months following their flagship event. In some cases, it's known as the WrestleMania of the summer. For over a decade, it was the number two event of the year, the second biggest show for the World Wrestling Federation. Some even will argue, to this very day, it's still the second biggest show. Over the past five to ten years, the Royal Rumble has crept in as being a highly anticipated event as it kicks off officially the road to WrestleMania. But back in the 80s, since its inception, the late 80s into the early 90s, SummerSlam was a huge event. Especially for me, since I was able to witness the first few SummerSlams live in the audience as they mostly hailed from the East Coast, the tri-state area. From the Meadowlands, the Continental Airlines Arena at that at one time, now the IZOD Center, Madison Square Garden, 
to the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, I've been lucky enough to witness many SummerSlams live in person. Still, to this very day, there's an aura about SummerSlam. You cannot deny it. You'd still get goosebumps. It's still, it still feels like a huge event. The WWE still has tried to make it special by producing high caliber matchups and storylines. In a sense, it's ramping back up after WrestleMania hangover season. With the newly designed Money in the Bank pay-per-view, it seemed to throw a wrench in there as some excitement, you could say quite a bit, a lot of excitement, was generated by this pay-per-view designed by creating a new star in a sense as a Money in the Bank briefcase is used to sometimes create a brand new star or revitalize a career. Now that's thrown in the middle of WrestleMania and SummerSlam season. You can say maybe it took the little bit of luster, took a little bit of shine off of SummerSlam. Still, it is one of the biggest events of the year. And tonight we're going to go back and remember some of the greatest feuds, storylines, and matches of SummerSlam. Just a note, we're not going to go into a lot of detail in between each storyline because we're going to archive every SummerSlam, and in my opinion, the feuds, matches, and storylines that made it so special. So I'll give you a brief synopsis, in my opinion, of why it was so important, why it captivated the fans' interests, and why it's remembered to this very day. We're going to break down the entire history of SummerSlam. Remember the superstars, storylines, and infamous moments from the August pay-per-view extravaganza. So here's a look back at the history of the event and some of the top feuds in SummerSlam history. We'll start off, of course, with 1988, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage versus Andre the Giant and the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. The Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. This match provided a gateway for Randy Savage to finish out his feud with DiBiase and his hired giant. It then gave us the foundation upon which the Savage-Hogan feud was built upon for WrestleMania V. Being there live in person, the very first ever SummerSlam, you felt the importance, you felt the hype of this huge event. Mega powers, mega bucks. The crowd was going crazy. And this event was, and this feud was so special because it laid the groundwork. It ended some storylines and laid the groundwork for others to springboard off of and then launch directly into WrestleMania season. Also that year, we cannot forget ravishing Rick Rude taking on Jake the Snake Roberts. We briefly mentioned it during our Hall of Fame series recapping the career of the late, great Ravishing Rick Rude, and we focused in on the induction, the 2014 induction of Jake the Snake Roberts into the Hall of Fame. Though the two didn't have a match on the card, the feud started and really got heated leading up to this event and during Rude's match in which Roberts interrupted. You know, how much more personal can you get when a guy who gyrates his hips, you know, puts a, a picture of someone else's wife on his crotch? That's got to generate heat, right? So, But even though they didn't have technically a match during SummerSlam, their feud was excelled and ignited even further on the first ever SummerSlam. Move ahead to the following year, 1989. We talked about the Mega Powers versus the Mega Bucks. 
Then it was another tag team matchup headlining the pay-per-view, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake against this time the Macho Man Randy Savage and Zeus. Savage and Hogan had their feud continued from WrestleMania 5 a couple of months prior. And you also add in the aspect of Zeus bringing in his feud from the film No Holds Barred into real life. Though it might seem a bit lame now, back when wrestling had the this is real aspect going for it, it was cool to see the crossover, a movie star now attacking the real life Hulk Hogan. Not to mention the fact that Zeus seemed like a scary, scary monster at the time as well. I was scared, cross-eye and all, Tiny Lister, Zeus was intimidating, and that made that match special. Also, if you check on the Facebook page, as well as my website, ringannouncing.com, during the intro of the main event, when you see Brother Brutai, Brutus Beefcake come out, they'll show a nice little zoom shot of this chubby little 10-year-old, let's say, Dressing up like Brutus the Barber Beefcake, tanned and all, semi-mullet intact, spiky hair, turquoise outfit, and the big scissors. Yes, that's me pretending to be Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also in 1989, the Intercontinental Championship was up for grabs, and this is what made me remember this, this event overall. Well, of course, me being on television, that was a highlight. Being a little kid, being ecstatic to see yourself in a costume, pretending to be one of your favorite superstars. But the goosebumps, the feeling that I had when I witnessed the ultimate warrior defeat the honky-tonk man the year prior to win the Intercontinental Championship in a matter of seconds, the crowd went absolutely crazy. The warrior winning the Intercontinental title, the music, the whole effect, it made it, and it, it gave you chills. Then you fast forward to 89 with the warrior taking on Ravishing Recruit, and the feud started with tensions at the Royal Rumble as Warrior got a beatdown from Rude. Then the title changed hands at WrestleMania 5 when Rick Rude beat the Ultimate Warrior for the title. And things continued into SummerSlam, in which the two battled for 16 minutes, likely one of the longest matches in Warrior's career. And it was an infamous one, a decent match for the Warrior, but riding the high of defeating the Honky Tonk Man for the Intercontinental title, then carrying it the following year to taking taking on Ravishing Rick Rude in another great match, two different different matches. One was not really a match. Boom, 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 splash, done, match over. And the other one had more storytelling to it. But then you fast forward again to 1990, where we witness now another championship match between the two, except it was for the world championship, the WWF championship, with now the ultimate warrior riding the high of beating Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six for the WWF championship, supposedly the now new top guy in the promotion, the new face of the company, would move on to take all contenders and he'd face a familiar foe in Ravishing Rick Rude, this time in a steel cage matchup. How much bigger does it get than the blow-off match for a feud that lasted more than a year? Put it inside a steel cage. That is how you blow off a feud. In today's day and age, it seems as if they start a feud in a hell in a cell or a cage match or elimination chamber 
due to the themes of the shows that the superstars are competing at, the blow-off for a feud needs to be this type of situation, a cage match. Ravishing Rude always seemed to get the best out of the Ultimate Warrior. That same year was very emotional for me, too, personally. As that year, around the same time when Hulk Hogan went down with an injury due to the mighty earthquake on the Brother Love show, I had some health issues as well. I actually had my appendix burst during that same time. Right when the earthquake squashed Hulk Hogan, I was in the hospital bed as it burst, uh, my appendix burst inside of me, and I was laid up for a couple weeks under evaluation because that could be quite dangerous. And I remember watching WWF superstars, watching Earthquake sit on Hulk Hogan, squashing his ribs, him being laid out on a stretcher, tears coming down my eye. I'm in a hospital bed, tears coming down my eye, and I'm writing a get well card for Hulk Hogan in my hospital bed. Amazing. Amazing what emotion professional wrestling can draw out of you. You know, in the late 80s and early 90s, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything in the world of wrestling to rival the popularity of Hulkamania. Following WrestleMania 6, as we discussed, Earthquake put Hogan out of action. It seemed like forever, but it was two months. And then did the same to Hogan's right-hand man, who was supposed to be in Hogan's corner for the match. A very similar comparison can be made two decades later, over 20 years later, with the matchup between Brock Lesnar and Triple H, in which we'll discuss. But one of my favorite moments of all time in SummerSlam history, due to the the sheer comedic value of it, was the jailhouse match between the big boss man and the Mountie. Again, I was lucky enough to witness it live in person. A great card, top to bottom in my opinion. But the antics and the hilarity between the big boss man and the Mountie, the Mountie was fabulous. Losing to the big boss man, finally getting what's coming to him, then being handcuffed, and then him saying, you can't do this to me, I'm the Mountie, and then being thrown into jail and meeting someone of uh, a different kind, so to speak, wearing all leather, ready to explore the Mountie's regions. on how to treat me dragging through these halls he should be on his hands and knees talking to the man upstairs praying to god that he makes it through till tomorrow morning and throw the key away he's gonna be the one who spends a long hard night in jail
a very funny segment, funny feud and rivalry that was intense at times. The boss man made it intense, but had a comedic side for the Mountie Jacques Rougeau. Also that year, goosebumps down the arms when the LOD, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk defeated the Nasty Boys to win their first ever WWF Tag Team Championship. What a moment as well. You thought, what other title change can get you as high as it did during that pay-per-view event? No, no, no. Brett the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title made you feel even better. Going into SummerSlam, the Hitman was mostly known as a tag team specialist. Having paired up for much of his young career with his brother-in-law, Jim the Anvil Nightheart, this was Brett's opportunity to establish himself as a formidable singles competitor. But he had quite the challenge ahead of him. Now, WWE Hall of Famer Kurt Henning known then as Mr. Perfect, won his first Intercontinental Championship in a tournament in spring, in the springtime of 1990. But by SummerSlam 1991, he had been champion for 13 of the previous 16 months. In my opinion, this was the peak of the Intercontinental Championship. This truly meant, well, as well as Steamboat Savage too, a couple years prior during WrestleMania 3, but this was the epitome of the Intercontinental title, and this is what it needs to get back to, signifying the true workers of the business, and that is what the Intercontinental title was at that time. What a great match between the two. The Hitman, you felt it in the air. Some, a star was being made or was in the process of moving further in his career that very night when he tore Mr. Perfect's single it off, throwing it back at him, putting him in the sharpshooter, and then celebrating, as you see, his mother, his mother and father, Stu and Helen Hart, clapping for him, so proud. The Hitman raising up that championship. The Hitman, no matter what you say about him, he made it important. He made the championships important, and he held that title like it was the his biggest prize, his most coveted possession of his entire life, like it's his own child holding that championship belt. I'm going to get on a soapbox right now real quick. That belt, even though it's the same style as today, which I'm glad they went back to, look at the shine, the appeal. Is something wrong with the IC title today? It looks dull. When Cody Rhodes brought it back, he added that little gold, a little extra gold tint, that little flair to it, kind of had like the backing of the World Heavyweight Championship. It looked cool, a modern take on the IC title, but somewhere down that line, I think after Cody dropped it possibly, they went back to the original design. No complaints here, don't get me wrong. But it seemed to lose its shine. It's dull right now. Where's that shine? The Hitman made it look good. So did Mr. Perfect, don't get me wrong. But... You, you felt Bret Hart love that championship. What a feeling at SummerSlam 91. And then the main event of the evening in SummerSlam 91, Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter and Colonel Mustafa. Not only Colonel Mustafa, but General Adnan. The Triangle of Terror. Slaughter, Mustafa, Adnan. General Adnan, of course, Sheik Adnan Al-Kasi, and Colonel Mustafa, the Iron Sheik. Why they had to change his name? 
I guess, to fit the Iraqi war. And maybe it was too close for comfort, as we'll talk about on our Famous Feud series, the battles between Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron Sheik, and now they're on, they're on the same team together. Maybe it was too close for comfort there. But it was the match made from hell and the match made from heaven that headlined SummerSlam 91. And this main event was the match made from hell. The Hogan-Slaughter feud was so heated. There were reports of needing snipers at WrestleMania to ensure Slaughter's protection from any crazies who wanted to get to him, as we documented as we documented thoroughly on the stories behind WrestleMania. Go back in the archives at btbcast.com to listen to those shows. This was the final big match in the feud, and being that they included the ultimate warrior that made it all the bigger. The backstage politics of what's going on with the war uh, impacting these crazies, threatening slaughter, not realizing it's a storyline and an act, it's entertainment. From the ultimate warrior, supposedly by Mr. McMahon, holding up the company, wanting more money, as we found out to be untrue, other factors came into play with Sid Justice, the brand new superstar, becoming the special guest referee for the match. Kind of laying the heir apparent to Hulkamania. That was their hopes. At the end, him cupping his ears, Sid Justice, like Hulk Hogan, and posing with him. Come on, they couldn't make it any more blatant. But it was a great event. Goosebumps again. I know I'm repeating myself, but Hogan coming out, the warrior coming out to defend America. Living in the U.S., being a U.S. citizen, what could get any better than that, right? Witnessing the macho man Randy Savage marry Miss Elizabeth Yeah, the match made from heaven, was interesting as well. Them tearing down the ring, taking the ropes down, making a virtual wedding. As the actual main event, the last event of the show, celebrating the love and marriage of Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. Who could forget the song together? The prototypical signature wedding song for the World Wrestling Federation WWE. We fast forward to 1992. For the very first time, SummerSlam is hailed from the United Kingdom. Wembley Stadium. Some of the matches were forgettable in a sense. Seeing the Road Warriors, the LOD, come down on the motors on their motorcycles down that long ramp. What an impressive visual. From Ric Flair, a part of the World Wrestling Federation at this time, and his battles with the macho man Randy Savage. To the main event. The first ever, and I think it'll be the only, I very rarely will think this will happen going forward in the history of SummerSlam. A main event for the Intercontinental title, superseding the WWF title. At this moment in time, the IC title was bigger than the WWF championship. Unbelievable to think, right? Brett, the Hitman Hart, took on the British Bulldog. This is why having a title is so vital that people believe in. It's so vital. Because it could draw money. It makes main events. The stature of this match tells you how popular the civil war between brothers-in-law actually was, especially given that it was an intercontinental championship match. To main event the night was unheard of at that point. 
but it created one of the top moments in the history of the event itself. When Matt Stryker yells out, Wembley Stadium, the infamous final spot of the match, of the Bulldogs scooping Bret Hart's legs for the count one, two, three, Diana Hart, Brett's sister, Bulldog's wife, in the middle of it all. A great storyline, an even better match, and it all surrounded the Intercontinental title from the previous year, Bret Hart defeating Mr. Perfect to become the IC champion. You could not write it any better, folks. 1993 was a little different, kind of pushing more towards the new generation style. Looking past Hulkamania, in a sense, the all-American Lex Luger was the focal point following the USS Intrepid as he took on Yokozuna for the World Championship. After defeating Hulk Hogan for the title, Yokozuna seemed unstoppable. Lex Luger got rebranded as an American hero of sorts, and he took the Lex Express straight to the big man after body slamming him. That aircraft carrier, the USS Intrepid, I was able to witness live, was another great moment. The helicopter came down, a great storyline. I thought it was Hulk Hogan. I was hoping it was the red and yellow coming up, but instead it was the former narcissist, now all-American Lex Luger, the hopeful next Hulk Hogan. Even though the storyline was memorable with the Lex Express, driving all around the country. The ending was disappointing as it wound up in a countdown. Lex Luger did not win the championship, they didn't pull the trigger there, and they celebrated like he won the title and defeated Yoko. I just don't understand that. Why are you celebrating? You didn't beat him. Yes, technically via countdown, but he's still the champion. What did we accomplish? It got me a little confused. What I remember with greater affection was the creative feud, you could say, between Bret Hart and Jerry the King Lawler. The Hitman battled twice on the card in 93, having to defeat Doink the Clown before he even got the opportunity to battle his rival, Jerry the King Lawler. What resulted in a very heated match in one of the top feuds of the early 90s. And now, the SummerSlam Recall is brought to you by Twix. Need a moment? Chocolate caramel and fresh cookie crunch of Twix. Notice the Barber Beefcake, because of injury, unable to challenge the Intercontinental Champion, the Hockey Talk Band tonight. Being the humanitarian that I am, I'd say World Wrestling Federation, give me anybody. Let me have somebody oh, to wrestle. Big smile on the face of the Hockey Talk Band. You know, he may be one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions. Guys had that title over two years now, Gorilla Monsoon. Get me somebody out here to wrestle. I don't care who it is. When we return after this short break, we approach the new generation era in the WWF and SummerSlam would take a different view and different theme as new faces are being seen. We kind of close the book on Hulk Hogan, 
Macho Man Randy Savage and others, and we open them up to a new generation of superstars. Some Big Daddy Cools, a Heartbreak Kid or two, and a guy oozing machismo. We cover the mid-90s next, after this break on Beyond the Bell. fan of wrestling shoot DVDs, wrestling action figures, wrestling memorabilia? The SNS Radio Network is an affiliate of HighSpots.com. So when you go to the SNS Radio Network site, click on the High Spots banner on the main page, and it takes you directly to High Spots. Now, I'm not saying you need to buy something from HighSpots.com, but if you do, you're helping to support the SNS Radio Network by going through High Spots on the link on the SNS Radio Network page. And every purchase gives a kickback to the SNS Radio Network, helping us keep all the programming here free for you. If you train, say your prayers, and ate your vitamins, then you'll love the Hulkamania Chronicles. Sean Beckerman, host of Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, breaks down the history and career of the legendary Hall of Famer, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each edition covers a different era in the history of the Hulkster as we relive our childhood hero. From the beginning of Hulkamania in the mid-80s and the birth of WrestleMania through the challenging times of the steroids trial all the way to his jump to WCW and the formation of Hollywood Hogan and the New World Order and then his return to the WWF leading in to the Hall of Fame. This edition covers it all. You can catch the Hulkamania Chronicles exclusively on Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. Brother. <laughs> This is a total package. Lex Luger, you are on SNS. Don't miss it. And now, the SummerSlam Recall is brought to you by Twix. Need a moment? Chew it over with the chocolate caramel and fresh cookie crunch of Twix. This extraordinary historic event at SummerSlam, Michaels, Razor Ramon, rematch of the century, it could very well be. Will it be the same result as WrestleMania 10? Will history repeat itself? For over a year, this has been eating pain. You know, I made history, but I was the losing part, and I can't have that. I'm the one with everything to lose and nothing to gain, but I need this for me. Boy, Thor, Chico, it is not just your precious gold that is on the line. It is your body, your career. Raise Ramon, rest assured, wild horses, nothing is gonna keep the heartbreak kid from traveling up that ladder and taking the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental title. Oh no, wait a minute, here it comes, Razor's Edge! Oh no! Now the shot, Jim Michaels do it! Yes! John Michaels, the most Brazilian superstar there is today! Championship belt over 
Welcome back as we now approach the new generation in the WWF 1994 hits its way as we saw The Undertaker versus The Undertaker. A lot of angles taking place in 94 and a lot of groundwork being laid for new characters, new storylines and angles to take place on the revolutionary Monday Night Raw program. Following a loss to Yokozuna in a casket match six months prior at the Raw Rumble, The Undertaker had not been seen of or heard of in or out of the ring for a long time. He vanished. The million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, claimed to have acquired the services of the dead man, a claim that Paul Bearer refuted, bringing back the man he claimed was the true Undertaker. In reality, it was primetime Brian Lee who they dressed up. They looked pretty good. They made him look pretty close to the Undertaker, a little bit shorter than the than the real Dead Man, Dead Man Inc. But it was a great visual as the old Undertaker, or should we say the the new Undertaker, Brian Lee, came out wearing the gray gloves, the gray tie. And then we saw the return of the original Undertaker wearing purple gloves, a purple tie, a way to to distinguish the two from the tattoos. They were a match. What a great storyline, a great visual, not a great match, but a great moment in SummerSlam history. Also in 94, we witnessed Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, the brotherly war. Owen claimed to be better than his brother Bret and worthy of being the world champion, having beaten him in the opening match at WrestleMania 10 that year. Tensions got so high that they had to contest this match inside the confines of a steel cage, partially to keep out the other members of the Hart family. A big schmoz, the British Bulldog involved, Jim the Anvil, Nightheart turning on Brett. What a storyline. Owen set himself above the rest. He stood out in this storyline, and he became a bona fide star. What a difference a year can make as Lex Luger took on Yokozuna the year prior. Not a big hit in the eyes of Vince McMahon, and then winning the Royal Rumble with Bret Hart, the first ever duo champions or duo winners of the Rumble, to the two championship matches at WrestleMania, in which Lex lost to Yokozuna via interference of the special guest referee, Mr. Perfect, but... Lex Luger would battle Tatanka the following year. And as Tatanka made claims that Lex had sold out to Ted DiBiase's million dollar corporation and a series of misunderstandings along the way impassioned the Native Americans resolve to prove it. In the end, it was all revealed to be a ruse as it was Tatanka who was employed by DiBiase. As Tatanka made the turn and became a bad guy, he sold out. To the million dollar corporation i think you could have gone even further and done the you know the native american casino owner gimmick you know a pseudo type of jbl thing they could have done that when he came back during his second stint in the WWE on smackdown but as we move further what a difference a year makes with lex luger facing yokozuna in the main event to a mid-card feud against tatanka and then one of my favorites in 1994 we witnessed razor ramon with Walter Payton 
take on Big Daddy Cool Diesel with the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. When a feud gets so heated that you have to bring in an, an NFL legend, that's serious business. And the click was in full effect now during the new generation era in the mid-90s. That leads us to 1995 and the Intercontinental Championship ladder match between Razor Ramon and the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels. Anytime a ladder match comes into play, especially in a singles match, you know it's a big deal. Being that this match was a rematch from WrestleMania 10, and the fact that the match went 25 minutes is also saying a lot. These two invented the modern-day ladder match in the WWF, and they carried it through. Maybe not as good as the first one, but Michaels Ramon II, the ladder match, surely made an impression in SummerSlam history. As we move forward through the new generation, from a ladder match to the boiler room, in 1996, we witnessed the First ever boiler room brawl between The Undertaker and Mankind. The feud between Taker and Foley was one of the best of the 90s. And this 26-minute match was one of the cornerstones. An innovative match, a brutal one, hardcore to a T, and it fit the feud perfectly. And it made a new star in Mankind as the WWF was trying new things to counter their competitor, WCW. Then the following year, I was lucky enough to be once again in the Meadowlands Arena, the Continental Airlines Arena at the time, to witness another memorable SummerSlam pay-per-view. It all started with Mankind taking on Triple H in a steel cage match, the last of the big blue bars in SummerSlam history, in which Mankind did the infamous snooker dive from almost the top of the cage, a couple of rungs down, since his love of snooker diving off the cage in Madison Square Garden, he paid tribute, smashing down on Triple H with China in his corner, tearing off the chest or tearing off <laughs> tearing off his shirt to show his chest in which you, we believe we saw a, a heart painted on it a little glimmer of dude love but mankind trying to steal the show in the opening matchup to the intercontinental title match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Owen Hart you all know what happens in this match go back to the Stone Cold Chronicles here on BTB the infamous pile driver breaking Stone Cold's neck, them still finishing the match with the roll-up. That leads us to 1997's main event. The Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels was the main. That leads us to the main event in the 1997 edition with the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, the special guest referee, in the world championship matchup, the WWF title matchup between Brett the Hitman Hart and The Undertaker, the champ. This was when Brett and Shawn were in the middle of their heated rivalry, and the finish of the match wound up with Shawn Michaels accidentally hitting The Undertaker with the chair as he was going for Brett, which resulted in Brett covering The Undertaker and becoming the WWF champion. A lot, a lot of moments and a lot of major events spawned off of this one event. Of course, following this pay-per-view, 
It went through into the Survivor Series in November into the infamous Montreal Screwjob and Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker would go on to feud as a result of this encounter that resulted in Shawn Michaels injuring his back, which ultimately led him to his first retirement from professional wrestling. And it all stemmed from this moment in SummerSlam history. A year later, I was lucky enough to witness it in Madison Square Garden in 1998. Highway to Hell was the theme. I remember the infamous hair match between X-Pac and Jeff Jarrett, Double J. And this was the beginning of the new look for Double J, the short blonde hair, the don't piss me off moniker, the short tights instead of the Nashville country singer themed garb he was wearing southern justice aka the godwins not really helping jeff jarrett much as we witness x-pac we thought he was supposed to shave his head but cut it to a nicely trimmed crew cut for the new double j the main event was in itself something to behold the undertaker versus stone cold steve austin in the peak of stone cold's popularity in 1998 the highway to hell a perfect theme acdc bringing in the main event between the two two months earlier though stone cold had lost the wf championship to kane in the inaugural first blood match only to win it back the next night on raw this led straight into the highway to hell in Madison Square Garden. It resulted in Stone Cold utilizing a low blow to The Undertaker for the 1-2-3 and retaining the WWF Championship. That moves us to the late 90s, 1999, Triple H versus Mick Foley versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, a triple threat match. It was billed as an out-of-body experience, as then Minnesota Governor Jesse the Body Ventura returned to his roots and served as a get the special guest referee. Hailing from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Ventura was the man in the middle for the WWF Championship matchup pitting Mankind, Triple H, and Austin with Mankind walking out victorious as he called it straight down the middle. It was interesting in itself to witness Jesse Ventura back in a World Wrestling Federation ring. Another year goes by as we get closer to the peak and the end of the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era, so to speak. No one will forget the hardcore title match between Steve Blackman and Shane McMahon, who was the champion at the time, but the fact that Shane O'Mac had a championship match where people still remember the party moments of the contest speaks volumes. Jumping from unimaginable heights, thinking he's New Jack, flying on top of Steve Blackman, no one will forget the antics of Shane O'Mac, especially at SummerSlam, but what stole the show was the TLC match between the Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardys. Three teams, countless ladders, tons of carnage through broken tables, all for the tag team championships. Back when the division was worth actually something, and it was actually red hot, so to speak. Now with the supposed close and end of the Monday Night Wars coming with the WWF purchasing WCW reigning supreme, we now had the invasion occur leading into 2001 in which we all saw The Undertaker and Kane defeat Diamond Dallas Page and Chris Canyon. DDP had been stalking The Undertaker's wife Sarah at the time and this was the culmination of the heated 
but one-sided feud between the two. I also remember from 2001, the very first time the WCW Championship was defended at SummerSlam in which Booker T, WCW five-time, 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 five-time WCW Champion took on the People's Champion, The Rock. One of the first huge battles between the faces of their various companies, it was a dream match, so to speak, for many who lived through the Monday Night Wars. The Rock reigning supreme, of course. And after we say this quick thank you to another one of our sponsors here on Beyond the Bell, we'll look ahead post-Monday Night War era, now that WCW is over, with the invasion angle over, and now some WCW talent is in the company, WWE, on the springboard of getting the F out, now from World Wrestling Federation to World Wrestling Entertainment, to the brand split of Raw and SmackDown, we discuss the memories of SummerSlam during this transitional period in professional wrestling history. When we come back, we move ahead to 2002 and the return of the Heartbreak Kid. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the SNSRadioNetwork.com main page, scroll down. There is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us. Your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network. Spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network, www.snsradionetwork.com, providing you with free podcasts since 2010. Without a doubt, this person is one of the most ingenious and manipulative minds in the history of this business. Creative teacher, confident mentor, brilliant. I never just wanted to be one of a crowd. The greatest professional wrestling manager in the world today. Mad scientist. Evil mastermind. Mastermind. I came in and said, boom, everything changes from this moment on. ECW! Yeah, he lied to you. Yeah, he wrote you some bad checks, but you still came back. Untrustworthy. Aggressive. It's too damn pushy. Manipulative. I'd fight a lot of battles that made no sense for me to fight. If you can't trust someone, can't be in business with them. You would never have expected me back in this company. I should have known you were a liar when I met you. I should have known you had a secret little double life. I should have known you were the devil flying undercover. I should have known you'd fit the part. I should have known you were a star.
Hey, wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W., and each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker? Sucker. This is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, and you're listening to SNS Radio Network. Well, Summer Slammers, yeah, that was corny. I said it. That's right. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Podcast Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. We relived a lot of summer slams, huh? A lot of memories, a lot of great storylines, matches, and feuds, and a lot of entertainment. Having been lucky enough to witness and be there in person for a lot of these events was truly special and made it especially memorable in my eyes. This week's match of the week will be fitting we mentioned it during this specific edition we're following SummerSlam so let's stick with the theme I talked about it it was SummerSlam 91 for the Intercontinental title champion Mr. Perfect versus Brett the Hitman Hart. I talked about it already during this special edition, but go back, relive this match of the week as it was a great one for the Intercontinental title, and it truly it meant something in this match, and you truly got a sense of the value of the title in the Federation, and this is what the title should mean, especially at this point in the company. This title, I think, it's at its most pivotal point it's been in decades. I say this because we're on the verge of seeing Brock Lesnar possibly win the WWE World Heavyweight title, which means that the world title will not be consistently seen on WWE television unless Brock makes a brand new deal to have himself be seen every single week on Monday Night Raw. I highly doubt that. We're going to see the world champion very, very little. Few and far between. Sure, he'll probably be at the the big events on the WWE Network for the big pay-per-views, defending the title most likely, which I like. It should be important. You should have to wait till the big events to see the champion defend the title. And very rarely should the champion wrestle on free television. I'm, I'm old school, right? I'm the host of Beyond the Bell. So, of course, I'm old school in my thinking. But this may truly happen due to necessity rather than storyline or idea, which in turn may be good for the promotion and good for the title. What this means is that the Intercontinental title will be the most seen title on WWE television. In turn, it should become the most important title. I'm not saying The Miz shouldn't hold it. I think others should have it. Don't get me wrong. And I like The Miz. But... He has the opportunity to make it mean something. I know he wants to. He wanted the World Heavyweight title before they uh, combined it to the WWE World title. 
but that title first shine the thing back up. Come on, when you get the new WWE Network logo on there, make it shiny again. It looks dull. Come on, we had one of the first episodes of Beyond the Belt talking about the history, the design history of the Intercontinental title. Look back at the old pictures. That thing popped. It popped during the match of the week between Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. The thing looks dull right now. looks like it's got shoe polish rubbed all over it. Come on, make it bright. Make it mean something. Yes, the white does make it look different, but through all the travel, the there's two titles. You guys should know if you don't know already. One that travels to house shows and one that's for the tele, that's seen on television. So the one that's the house shows, I think Bad News Barrett had it on a segment for one of the morning news channels for one of the local shows or, or the towns they were promoting Raw and SmackDown in. The title looked terrible. It had self-tenor all over it because you could see it from the white band. That could easily, easily be fixed by, A, getting a clean and brand new white strap, using the television strap more often for public appearances. Granted, I know it was a one-off, but maybe you go back to the black strap. I liked Cody's design of the IC title when it first came back. It had a little different flair to it. It kind of had the backing of the World Heavyweight title, that gold emblemish. You know, that foilish type of look. But then all of a sudden, I don't know, due to design mechanics or production cost, they went back to the uh, original style of the title, which I love. My favorite look, besides the Winged Eagle, the Winged Eagle title, my favorite look, looking champion, favorite designed uh, for any championship in wrestling history. But it starts to look dull. But shine that thing up. I'm off my soapbox or one of my soapboxes, I should say, and make that title important because that could be your title. It's the title that should be defended on the whole house shows in the main event because that is your title. That could mean something. Doesn't mean I'm saying to combine with the U.S. title. You can still keep the U.S. title. That could be your lower tier as well, like the the European title. There's the, the talent's dwindling, but there's enough talent to make your U.S. title be defended on main event every week like we seem to see Sheamus do before he got the flu. But that is your opportunity right now is your opportunity to make the IC title mean something. Whether they do it, we'll see. I'm not holding my breath because I've done it many times, hoping to see some change and some prestige brought to the IC title. But that's what should be done with the potential of Brock Lesnar becoming WWE World Heavyweight Champion. But we'll talk more about that, especially leading into the SummerSlam pregame show before Sunday Night Showdown presenting SummerSlam in in just a couple weeks. But match of the week, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, Intercontinental title from SummerSlam 91. Go back. What a great match. The dawning of a new era, or you could say the peak of the Intercontinental, the IC titles, uh, contention history between great competitors, great superstars battling it out, the true technicians holding the title, the true workers title, and you could say it reached its peak on pay-per-view at SummerSlam. You thought that year, but it even went further being in the main event slot the following year uh, as Stone Cold's match of the week was Brit, uh, the British Bulldog versus Bret Hart in Wembley Stadium. For the IC for the IC title, actually winning over the uh, getting getting the the higher spot in the card over the WWF title, which was unprecedented. But it shows the option you have with the championship if done properly, if booked properly. Check it out: SummerSlam '91, Bret Hart, 
Mr. Perfect IC Championship. You can find it on the WWE Network. Where's my royalties, huh? So August is SummerSlam month on Beyond the Bell. We're going to throw in some additional themes mixed in with our SummerSlam content. I hope to get part three of our Hall of Fame series uh, to be released shortly as we look back at the career of Scott Hall, Paul Bearer, our ECW 101 series. I hope to delve into in 1999, looking further into the Stone Cold Chronicles. But we will have our SummerSlam content this month as it will be the main focus in August leading into SummerSlam as we'll have part two of the best of SummerSlam, the sounds of SummerSlam, the theme song history of SummerSlam, a part of our Behind the Music or the music of professional wrestling. And this will all lead us to the special live pregame show to SummerSlam here on the SNS Radio Network. Don't forget to follow Beyond the Bell on Facebook at BTBCast, as well as myself, Sean Beckerman, the official Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BTBCast, and the brand new official website for Beyond the Bell, BTBCast.com. You can access the Beyond the Bell hotline, leave your memories for Beyond the Bell. You can start leaving your memories of SummerSlam. And we'll play them on the live pregame show before Showdown and SummerSlam coming up in just a couple of weeks. If you want to leave your memories via email, send us an email at beyondthebelt at btbcast.com. So it's time to take it home with some old school music, our old school theme of the week. It will fit with our SummerSlam theme, of course. We talked about this match as well on this edition. The big boss man took on the Mountie on the same car from the match of the week. A big card in my eyes as I experienced it live in person, but not just for that fact, but for the sheer fact of the comedic value and entertainment of the match by one Jacques Rougeau, the Mountie. I was originally going to go with um, the Mountie, you know, or we're not the Mounties, used by the Quebecers, which was just released on the Federation era of the WWF or WWE on iTunes, but at the last minute I changed my mind and went with the late great Ray trailer. Hard Times by the Big Boss Man will take us home this week on Beyond the Bell. And that is in celebration of the Jailhouse match from SummerSlam in 91. We'll take it home with some hard times here on BTB. Also courtesy of one of our sponsors, our brand new sponsors here on BTB, the Enem Sun. We should have the banner up shortly on btbcast.com. The best place to get all the latest theme music, original quality, or original high quality, I should say, or reverberized. Yes, I said reverberized. Reverb versions, reverb versions for your WWE video games, which I'm sure we'll get into even further when we talk about WWE 2K15. So let's take it home with some hard times on Beyond the Bell. Until next week, fans, when we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the history of SummerSlam, your sizzling ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Until next week, stay old school, my friends.
there watching, we're a unit. The four horsemen are not four individuals. Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. We are the studs in professional wrestling. Were you a kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-rodding, jet-flying son of a gun? Well, then you will love the Horseman Files on Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast. Host Sean Beckerman breaks down the history of one of the most illustrious groups in professional wrestling, the Four Horsemen. Each edition breaks down each year in Horseman history and the impact they played on the industry. So get your bomber jacket and aviator sunglasses ready and tune into the Horseman Files on Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. I don't want to blow our own horn, but toot toot. We're the best team in professional wrestling throughout history.